What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined by the man who has officially become a best ball zombie, a.k.a. the Run DMC, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe, and by the man who is ready for a Logan Thomas redemption season. Oh, baby. I'm talking about at DFF Moose, a.k.a. Mr. Mike McAuliffe. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Ooh, you're talking best ball. Best ball is one of the best ways to continue to join leagues without having to actually worry about joining more leagues. So <laughs> if I can recommend it for those who are feeling like they're in too many leagues, it's a great, uh, great time. And honestly, you just get to be right some of the time. You don't have to be right all the time, so that's why it's really fun to just get in a whole bunch of those. But Max, I am feeling great. I'm feeling fired up. I feel like there's some hot takes on the horizon that are, uh, are going to get the blood boiling, get everyone a little... Uh, hot and bothered here, and I could not be uh, more stoked. It is, is honestly, I'd probably say our favorite episode that we do each year, uh, and so I'm really excited to hear some guest submissions as well as uh, some hot takes and uh, bold predictions from you guys. So bring it on! Yeah, baby, best part of the year. We're uh, two games out from the first game, or two days out from the first game. I'm freaking pumped. You know, I already uh, Max, as you alluded to, I had to take my boy Logan Thomas in one of the last rounds of our recent dynasty startup. Shoot or shoot. That's all I'm going to say. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it, let's get this thing going. I got some spicy, spicy takes on the horizon. Let's let's do this thing. You had to make up for your Lamar Jackson over Kyler in the first round off brand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We don't need to talk about that, Mike. Oh, it's man. OK. It's all right. But as you guys alluded to, I mean, this is the best time of the year, right? All your teams look great. There's no games. But here's the thing, gentlemen. The game isn't played on paper. All oh, right. True. And we are here. To make some predictions, there's going to be some good ones. There's going to be some bad ones. And we have submissions from all over the board. So I am ready. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's kick it off with some bold predictions from some friends of ours. So unfortunately, this first one, uh, our good friend West Cap was a little under the weather. So we had to submit his, no audio. So I'm just going to read off exactly what West texted me all and right. let you guys react. Perfect. Fantastic. So this is Wes. We're about to see a top five QB season from your boy, Trey Lance. If we extrapolate what he did his rookie year, it looks almost identical to 2015 Cam Newton. Line by line, even down to QBR. Lance holds all the rushing upside Cam had, but has the potential to be an even better passer. Call him Cam Newton 2.0, if you will. With better surrounding weapons and a stellar play caller in Kyle Shanahan, Mike, I'm going to kick this first one to you. Trey Lance currently sitting at QB 11 on Fantasy Pro's consensus ranking. So not a huge leap to get in the top five here, mm -hmm. but I want your take on this. Wes, my, my boy, I like this one for sure. Is, and this is coming from a guy that last year had passed on Trey Lance to take your boy Justin Fields. So definitely, I, I think I've done, the closer we get to this season, I have just become higher and higher on Lance's uh, ability. I literally, I love that Wes put in Cam Newton in there because that's what I see when I see his game. I think that with the weapons that he has there in San Francisco, you know, with Ayuk, I, I'm expecting a very big season from Brandon Ayuk. I think that Debo, obviously one of the best uh, wide receivers, uh, wide backs in the game, I should say, uh, just their offense as a whole, his rushing upside, his goal line rushing upside, especially if you're in four point uh, passing touchdown leagues, that is the advantage right there. 
I love it. I'm, you know, with with my expectations, I see him cracking the top 10, but top five, that's not out of the realm of possibility. So I love this take. I just took him in the fourth round of a league that we changed over to Scott Fishbowl scoring. We were pouring over this in the pre-show, right? Yep. So like I'm even showing some faith in the accuracy here. And it feels very similar to Jalen Hurts last year, which was one of my predictions, right? And we got very close. It was top six. And I'm going to give Wes and all of our guests here the benefit. We're going to do points per game for this, right? We don't want mm -hmm. one missed game or something weird happening, ruining any of these predictions. So, you know, it's not that huge leap, but it's still, you're making that leap into the elite tier of fantasy quarterbacks. Dan, you were looking a little confused when Mike was talking. So I just want to throw to you and make sure there's no, nothing that no, we didn't no, get to cover No confusion here. on my part. <laughs> um, I, I totally agree. I was actually taking a look just to see where Jalen Hurts finished. Um, and I knew he finished well, but it was just kind of like, cause I exactly, I feel like that's exactly the type of trajectory where you have, where someone who really didn't have, I mean, again, Trey Lance did not see the field that often last year. Right. And Hurts didn't see it until like the very end when Wentz was on his way out. So we still saw that type of jump from Hurts equally uh, with, with Lance, someone who's drafted much higher than Jalen Hurts. Uh, is going to have all the opportunity in the world. I know people are getting a little scared off with the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, but again, front offices don't want to look stupid, uh, and they drafted Lance highly. They're going to give him all the opportunity in the world. The only slight issue is if he really, really struggled. They're in a win-now roster, and you could see him pulled if they have Jimmy sitting on the uh, on the roster and hasn't been traded yet. That's the only risk in my mind. Um, but that, that comes down to, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think he's a great player. I think he's going to take that next step. I think he has a great surrounding cast and those legs. That's why we saw Jalen Hurts immediately get jettisoned into the top 10, right? Because he was able to run. Trey Lance is able to do the same thing. I see it very hard for him to not finish as a, a top 10 if he plays the whole time while running the way that we think he can. So top five, definitely in the realm of possibility. I love that you brought that part up about Jimmy G and situationally because that did cross my mind, right? If you're a top five NFL draft pick, you typically do not sit for yep. basically the entirety of your rookie season. And honestly, I don't know about you guys, but the last guy that I could think of, not that high of draft capital, was Patrick Mahomes barely played his yeah. rookie year, right? The the Alex Smith uh, farewell season in Kansas City. Yeah. So definitely some risk there, but good job by Wes starting the show off with a bang. It sounds like we are all in on this one. Like so it. I'm going to move over. League favorite of ours. I mean, come on. Who's not texting this guy on the reg? Just <laughs> always cracking jokes, <laughs> talking Star Wars. Ethan Gilbert My boy. says that Gabe Davis will finish as a top 15 wide receiver thousand plus receiving yards eight plus touchdowns huge target share opportunity with beasley and sanders gone it frees up 184 targets he's on a great offense that will continue to air it out this season <laughs> dan i saw a little look of surprise on your face he's currently sitting at wide receiver 24 on fantasy pros consensus rankings what are your thoughts on this one man um, so that's spicy. I know a lot of people are super, super high on Gabe Davis and rightfully so I've started to warm up on him. Um, but I have traditionally been a little bit colder because I still do feel like there's some holes in his game. A lot of people are really excited about the, uh, post season, um, touchdown game that he had, right? It was like four touchdowns against, was it the Kansas city chiefs or, oh, or yes. um, insane, absolutely insane. Got everyone electric. 
Um, but he really hadn't put together like a full season the two seasons prior. So yes, it's an electric offense. Yes, there's a lot of targets up for grabs. There's still now they brought in a pass-catching running back because they know they really, really wanted a pass-catching running back. They're trying to get J.D. McKissick. That didn't work out. They bring in James Cook. Um, they're going to continue to churn through that a little bit. There's still going to be just the rushing that happens with Josh Allen, which I know everyone's going to look at all these open targets, but there's a lot of chances that just turns into RPOs and other things that are going to not always result in all those targets being uh, available. So I find Gabe Davis is being perfectly drafted where he is now at wide receiver 24. I can get on board there. Um, it's not too far of a stretch to say, what was it, wide receiver 15 or 16, 14? Top, top 15 wide 15? receiver. I'm going to have to sell that one. I don't think he's going to get there. I love it. I think it's it's spicy, and that's what we're all here for. But I'm going to have to sell that because I don't think he's going to reach that level. And instead, I think you're comfortably drafting him where he is right now. I think you're poking some good holes here. I mean, it's funny that the metrics community, when you look at some of these like target shares in certain games and blah, 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 advanced metrics du jour, uh, Gabe Davis has been pretty terrible for the first three yeah. mm-hmm. couple of years of his career. Like where are, where are the box stuffing stats on what's been a loaded offense? I think the fact that, listen, Emmanuel Sanders had a fantastic career. He couldn't edge him out to get on the field last year in a lot of these games. I mean, yeah. that is not a great sign. Um, as we've talked about on this show, on this show before, though, if you're looking for easy fantasy production, attach yourself to a great offense. And in Superflex, Josh Allen is the 101, no matter what format you're playing in. Mike, any anything else that we missed? Any other takes? Are you buying or selling this one? I'm selling it, man. I I think that I. You know, I've been sitting kind of on the sidelines with the Gabe Davis hype. I think I'm just passing on him wherever I see him and not for any bet. I think that's entirely in the realm of possibility that he finishes um, as a as a top, um, you know, as, as a wide receiver, too. I think that that's very possible. But you're drafting him right now at what I think is around his ceiling. We've never seen anything close to a wide receiver two season for him. So. I just I'm not comfortable um, with that that much of a projection. Uh, just count me count me out on this one. For what it's worth, this was Ethan's backup one because the first one was pretty much the one I was gonna do. So <laughs> okay, uh, fair, fair. I will I will I will cut Ethan some slack here. I also have really kind of just you know been out on the Gabe Davis week stakes. I'm, there's always gonna be someone in either dynasty or redraft that's higher on him than me. So. Yep. Let those people draft them, and uh, best of luck to them. And let them brag. So that that take cares that takes care of all my ad reads for the show. Now we can get in <laughs> to the audio stuff, and this first one will be very short Ooh. and sweet. Dan, I'm tossing this your way for audio re- for <laughs> obvious reasons. Here is the audio from our good friend, league mate, and overall degenerate, Mr. Alex Tordai. Antonio Gibson will be a top. 10 running back this year short and sweet dan oh man (laughs) well that's definitely contradicts one of the ones that didn't make my cut which is antonio gibson was going to be outside the top 24 running backs (laughs) Uh, i can't get on board with that man i i understand 
the uh, unfortunate circumstance we just had with Brian Robinson, right? I know that's going to delay this competition that we had there, but there were so many other signs that I think we're still pointing towards the de decline of Antonio Gibson that that is just one of many. We still got J.D. McKissick that got clawed back. Uh, the offense as a whole is still going to have some issues. You have more pass catchers now with Jahan Dotson and some other people who are going to be able to help fill in that gap. You got uh, Curtis Samuel, who was seen as this Debo LaVisca, who's going to be able to take some of those carries away from uh, uh, Gibson as well. I actually took Gibson in a couple best balls because I think he's going to maybe start off pretty uh, pretty nice uh, for the first part of the season. It's They're not even uh, committing to uh, Brian Robinson being out that long. I hope he gets the time he needs to be able to fully recover, but I seriously think you're going to be seeing him hit the field this, uh, this season, and that is just going to be the final nail in the coffin for Antonio Gibson uh, for me this season. So I'm staying far away. Uh, top 10 is going to be the best finish he's ever had. If I'm not mistaken, right? Oh yeah. So he's been 12 and 14 or something along those lines. I can't quite recall. Uh, again, fantastic. What he did previous seasons, I cannot dispute. Uh, and and but finally, I think we're seeing enough writing on the wall um, that I am going to be selling that so hard uh, and going to be. <laughs> if I could screenshot a a voicemail or a voice memo, I would to send it back to him <laughs> later. So I suppose a podcast is just that. Um, I, uh, very interesting. I can't get on board with it though. How do you guys feel? I mean, first of all, I've been playing in dynasty leagues with Tordai since roughly 2017. And I don't know if this has ever come up on the show, but there is a Tordai's freezing cold takes folder, uh, <laughs> that I have backed up to the cloud, multiple versions. Uh, maybe we'll have to have him back on the show and expose some of those old Please. takes, uh, one of these days I'm with Dan, which is sad because I feel like I've been the one of the three of us keep, keeping the flame lit the hardest for Antonio Gibson. Like he is the type of guy that I always want in dynasty, right? Which is usually what we're focused on. This is our bold prediction yep, show, sure. but a guy with his size and athleticism that has produced the way he has in the NFL. I mean, even if he was losing touches, you know, 56% snap rate last year was still number 15 in opportunity share, number four in red zone touches. So I was never buying this Antonio Gibson is a between the 20s runner narrative. And I do agree that like them clawing JD McKissick back is, is a sign that they want some depth at the position. But I was also never the like, well, this means he's never going to be a pass catcher. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think we could see... Antonio Gibson used in some very interesting ways this year. Do I think he's going to finish top 10 in points per game? Absolutely not. Yep. But he is the type of guy, Mike and I just did a startup together, and I took him at the end of the seventh round because that felt like phenomenal value to me. That's, that's right? great value. Mm -hmm. At that point, 100%. And, and so I do think, first of all, I mean, I feel like we're everybody in the world's rooting for Brian Robinson, right? I mean, yep. like, who gets shot and shows up to the practice facility the Seriously. next day? Like, this dude <laughs> is an animal. And I've been hedging my bets where I can with Brian Robinson. I think, I hope that Riverboat Ron, as some used to call him, <laughs> comes to Jesus this year and realizes that Antonio Gibson should be getting a lot of touches on any football field. But I cannot get behind this one personally. Mike, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on this? It's I might I might be the one that's most willing to maybe buy into this. I can I can see a world in which. You know, Brian Robinson is likely out the first uh, four to six games, whatever, like Dan said, let him have the time that he needs to recover. I can see a world in which Antonio Gibson learns how to hold on to the darn ball and he rips off 
multiple huge plays that, like you said, Max, kind of an awakening for Ron Rivera to be be like, this is this kid is we need to give him high leverage touches. He doesn't have to get, you know, 20 plus touches a game to be effective. And but the one caveat to this where I could see him maybe finishing, I would put probably put a top 15 qualifier on this he's probably still going to be a very frustrating player to own because I can see him having some huge blow-up weeks, as Dan alluded to uh, earlier with best ball. Um, he's probably a fantastic play. But yeah, I overall, I'm not feeling very confident about it, but the talent is there. Should something happen? Should Robinson need to sit out much longer than people anticipate? Should anything happen to J.D. McKissick? I think the talent is certainly there. There are a few bigger... This is a quick aside before we jump into uh, the last friend submission. You guys will find fewer Joe Mixon fans than me. I've been holding this guy in dynasty for basically his entire career. And Antonio Gibson always reminded me of early career Joe Mixon. Like even, even though he's probably had better production through the first two years, even though Joe Mixon had a monster sophomore season, it was just one of those things where he never got used the way he wanted. We wanted him to right? he never got that full workload, even dating back to college for both of them at Memphis and Oklahoma, like we're not the workhorse that they could have and should have been in college. So I am very interested for the Antonio Gibson thing. I feel like outrage depends on how much you paid for him in dynasty. (laughs) I was always kind of on the discount side of Antonio Gibson. So I've always been pretty happy, but it's going to be a fun one to play out this year. So The last friend submission we have is a long one. And I could not cut this audio down because I thought friend of the show from the man who called the Michael Pittman breakout last Mm -hmm. year. It's true. (laughs) Makes an absolute great case for this player. So this is about a minute long, totally uncut. Max did this all in one take. So I'm going to let you guys listen. And Mike, I'm going to give you first reaction on this one. Sounds good, bro. Next player I like in terms of hot takes is is Rondale Moore um, from the Arizona Cardinals. So the reason I like more is I think Marquise Brown is a little one-dimensional. Um, I know he's a popular breakout candidate. I realize him and Kyler went to college together at Oklahoma. I'm not saying, you know, Marquise isn't going to have a, a good year. But I think Kingsbury is kind of in a, a put-up-or-shut-up um, season right here. And they're going to have to score a lot of points. I think, you know, James Conner is, is going to regress. Um I just think they're going to find some creative ways to get Rondale Moore the football. He's a really, really talented player. Um, you know, just the, he's just an incredible athlete at 5'7, 180. He can do a lot of interesting things um, for the size, you know, that he is. And he's, he's not just the, you know, uh, a gadget guy, but he's actually a pretty good receiver as well. So I think Rondale Moore, I think he's PPR draft, he's at like 50. Um, in terms of the rankings, 51, something like that uh, with Fantasy Pros. And I could see him cracking, you know, top 25, top 30. So I really like the return on investment there uh, with Rondale Moore. All right. Max Anders, a lot of good context there. Love the setup for that one. Currently, even lower than probably when Max recorded this, Rondale Moore is wide receiver 57 on Fantasy Pros now, Mike. Max is saying he's pushing for wide receiver two. I know you're a big Kyler fan. I know you're a big Marquise Brown fan these days. Yep. How do you feel about this one? I can't get behind this man. I personally, I liked Rondale coming out uh, as a prospect. Obviously, the thing working against him is his undersized um, his stature, but I don't even put too much stock in that. Obviously, he had, uh, I think he had like one or two blow up games last year with some huge um, pass connections with Kyler. The potential's there. I, I 
do not at all see top 24 upside for Rondell Moore. Could I see him cracking possibly into the low end wide receiver three range? Definitely. But, uh, you know, I, I, my, I guess I can, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet that my, my hopes for Hollywood Brown are, are definitely, um, pretty high this year. I think you still, even though D hop definitely showed some, uh, decline in efficiency last year, once he comes back, those two at the top, along with Zach Ertz, who yes, he's 32 years old, but he was still a target monster last year. Those three guys are easily, in my eyes, ahead of Rondell Moore. I just don't see any way that he cracks in to the top 24, personally. One year into the Rondell Moore experiment, Dan and I are feeling pretty burned, considering, I mean, <laughs> God, one of the best true freshman seasons you will yeah. ever see in the history of college football. Uh, Dan, any take on this one? No, I mean... It's, it's hard because, again, we've talked about wanting to attach yourself to high-powered offenses, and we really do believe in Kyler Murray and, and believe that that offense can be probably pretty good overall. So there's different ways that you want to be able to grab a slice of it in a non-expensive way, right? So I'm with Mike in that I think it's too spicy for, like, a top 24 season. I can see Rondell Moore putting just, up— just to, just to be clear, real quick, he yep. did say top 30, essentially. Yep. He said he could yep. be him in the top 25 to 30. Totally. Yep, and so this is where I'd even say, yes, 25 to 30, I would hedge in and say I'd, I'd probably have to say top 36, right? I'd, it, that would be a back-end wide receiver three to me. Yeah. He is his best— NFL production has been pretty abysmal. I think we had like one game. It was in the early part of uh, mm-hmm. his career too, where he had like one long bomb and we were like, Rondell Moore lives. And it was one throw for like <laughs> 70 yards or something like that. Blown coverage. And, 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 and blown coverage. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I, I know that he could be used in more creative ways. I, again, want to keep the flame lit because I have big um, big hopes and aspirations for another uh, short king being Wanda, uh, Wanda uh, Robinson uh, <laughs> over with the, uh, the New York Giants there. So I don't want that to be an only ding, but we have seen really abysmal um, kind of production rates for guys of his size. And so to his original point, Kingsbury's going to have to be very creative if he's going to get Rondell Moore to be uh, putting up those types of numbers because I think he is going to be, honestly, one of those guys that is going to be much better for the NFL than he will for fantasy. I think he's going to find ways to stretch the field, put him against uh, off coverage, those types of things. Uh, that will be really good for a certain thrower, too, that's going to put the defense on their toes. But I don't think it's going to be one that's going to be reliable and one that's going to be able to put up the volume necessary to be able to reach that uh, kind of echelon of wide receiver. I get a little nervous shooting this down because I feel like we yep. all in unison shot down the Michael Pittman one last year <laughs> and Max absolutely crushed that. He did. I think Mike made probably the biggest point I would make, which first of all, to add to all of that, um, had some injuries last year. And that was what plagued him throughout his time at Purdue, right? That's why basically we saw this legendary true freshman season. And then we saw him for four games and then three games the year after. So that's a little bit of a concern. But even if we're giving everybody the benefit of the doubt and going on a points per game basis, I mean, Mike, you didn't even mention probably your favorite player on that team lately, which is James Conner, right? right. He was catching some passes. I mean, there's just, it's, it's become a cliche in fantasy, but it's like, it's a pretty crowded receiving room all around. I mean, they just took, uh, they just took another tight end as well. I'm blanking on his name right now. He was McBride probably because I was passing. Yeah, exactly. Trey McBride video game numbers. I want to say at either Colorado or Colorado state, but it was like, okay, so they're adding another weapon there. 
it's going to be a very crowded passing room. I mean, this might be the boldest take on the show, if I, I'm being I, honest. I don't know yeah. what you guys have queued up, but nope. he's basically projecting <laughs> this player to double up on his ADP. So yeah. super bold. I mean, we just have to make Max Andrus a permanent member of the show if he gets this right. Serious right. And again, you know what? I <laughs> want it. I want it for I want it for the the sh- short guys that don't have much uh, historical stats to back them up. I want it for those who had to invest highly in him in the second round of rookie uh, rookie rounds. Uh, so I would love to see it. You know what? I, that's that's the best part about these bold takes. I really do want to see a lot of these happen. Uh, so we'll just see where uh, see where the points net out. This is this is my favorite one so far, but if I'm a betting man, I, I have to go against it. So, yeah. All right, gentlemen, we, we got all the riffraff out of the yeah. way. We, we, we got those predictions. They're done. Let's get to the real heart of the show. So we're going to go Mike, Dan, Max, round robin. Save your best one for last. Mike, I remember your first one from last year very well. <laughs> Almost a little too well. Let's <laughs> let's hear it. Minds. Let's hear it, buddy. What do you got for us this year? All right, I'll I'll save all of my explanations for counter arguments to your guys's reactions. So we'll start this off with. I just want to give a quick shout out to Wes Caparato for this. May have been one of his predictions last year when we were going through this process. I think I've definitely warmed up to this player, and he's definitely rising up the ranks at the moment. In Dynasty and in fantasy in general, I'm calling it right now. AJ Dillon, the quad father himself, is going to finish as a top 10 running back in points per game this year. Ooh. Wow. Dan. <laughs> Dan Space says it all. Let's go, Dan. Let's awesome. Honestly, Mike, this was something that was on my radar. Um, okay. I, I am warming up to AJ Dillon taking, taking the wheel and really starting to run with it here. Um, it's he has such an unbelievable stature. He has great involvement uh, last season that started to really get me excited about what he can do. We talk about the age apex all the time with older running backs. At some point, there's going to be a cliff, uh, and you certainly want to sell before, and then you also want to try and buy into uh, when that change is going to happen because then all of a sudden the cost is going to skyrocket. Um, I think they're going to have to lean on this run game a lot more since uh, Devontae Adams left. And you have two running backs that are able to catch passes and are phenomenal in the run game. Aaron Rodgers, literally, they can't even name who their wide receiver one truly is. Aaron Rodgers is saying one thing, and he wants every non-rookie to be, like, he wants Sammy Watkins as his wide (laughs) receiver one. Alan Lazard is hurt right now. Um, He hopefully is going to be good for week one. There's just so much ambiguity here. And the uh, run game kind of the, that was installed by uh, Hackett um, before he took off, they started to target their um, running backs at a stupid rate. I think it was like eighth overall um, the, during his tenure there. And you hope that that would be able to continue. So I think there are multiple mouths to feed, and I think you have the ability to do it. Top 10 is almost a little too spicy bold, for me. <laughs> I was going to say top 15. <laughs> Um, but I love it. I, I really do. I think we're going to see, I mean, he has like Derrick Henry-esque type of like a stature here. I think there's, there's something, if anyone's going to be our next Derrick Henry and, and we're going to anoint a king there, I believe AJ Dillon is the best one to be able to do it. 
This is interesting. Mike, can you save me the trouble? Because uh, I was about to look it up. Can you let me know? First of all, I love this one. Way better. I mean, such a better start than Logan Thomas last year. I mean, this is we – are, we are already banging on all cylinders. Where is he ranked in Fantasy Pros? I'm curious. 21st right now. 20 RB? Still, they have him as RB 21? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you were correct. So Wes did have this one last year and was basically calling like the initial breakout, which pretty much happened. So he was he was number 29 yep. in points per game last year. I am kind of with Dan where I love this one and there's not a lot of holes to poke in it except that you're shooting for the moon, right? Like yep, yep. He, he does share a backfield with Aaron Jones who like up with Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler has just been one of the most efficient on a per touch basis, running backs in the yeah, NFL. Absolutely. What I don't think we've we've really talked about that much is the Packers could suck this year. Mm-hmm. Like they could be really <laughs> underwhelming. And that's what happens when you get rid of a guy like Devontae Adams. So the question is, are they gonna run this like offense that I would run in Madden in like the mid two thousands where they just run shotgun split back and just <laughs> yeah. Fred Taylor on one side, yep. Maurice Jones Drew on the other side? I it's gonna be interesting. If they are trailing and they do not have the opportunity for positive game scripts, I feel like this could spell trouble for AJ Dillon. Totally. But it's it's gonna be interesting. If they can grind it out, grind the clock use him as that Derrick Henry workhorse. And then also, I mean, he showed he was a pass catcher much more than we thought when he was coming out of college last year. I'm with Dan. Top 10 is very spicy. I think you nailed the trajectory of this take. But if I have to pick one, I'm going to go on the no side. So we will talk (laughs) in five months when you nailed this and we will see what happens. Love it. Love it. All right, Dan. Okay. Let's hear it, buddy. <laughs> Ooh, all right. We were actually just talking about how RB is a young man's game, and there are too many oldies oh, sitting at the top right now. You got Eckler, you got Connor, you got Kamara, you got all these guys. I'm looking for a young stud to be able to come in flaming white hot and start to take the reins here. Javante Williams is going to finish as a top five RB in fantasy points per game this coming season. Last year, he finished as the RB 17. And he's currently being ranked as the RB14 going into this year. Stupid power and speed. He's a bowling ball just kind of jettisoning down towards the, uh, the end zone there. And he has some good receiving prowess too. And a lot of his success is hidden uh, with just the box scores and everything. Because if you look deeper, he led the league in a ton of key measurables uh, when you use a sample size of minimum of 100 carries, right? Because you want to make sure you're looking at the guys who are actually getting the ball a decent amount. First and broken tackle, right? Tied for first and evasion, right? Second forced miss, second and forced missed tackles, second uh, tied for second for yards after contact, fifth most elusive RB overall. Stupid when he's on the field. The ability to be able to make something out of nothing is evident. So he was effective and efficient, and all he was missing was the volume. So what about Melvin Gordon? <laughs> Melvin Gordon came back. He jettisoned up to the top of the charts. He was like RB2 for a little bit in Dynasty because everyone thought that Melvin Gordon was gone. He's not gone, right? He's back. Uh, and it was about a 50-50 split between Javante and Melvin Gordon uh, during that time frame. It was actually more like 53-47 in Melvin Gordon's favor. I expect this to shift, right? I expect this to go something more like 55-45, 65-35, um, because Melvin Gordon, you know what? He When he left, he sat out in free agency for forever. Like, it was mm-hmm. almost an embarrassing amount of time. And I love Melvin Gordon, but he was really out there waiting for some other thing. 
the Broncos eventually brought him back, but they did not jump on getting a, a, a signature immediately for bringing him back in. And they only brought him back on a one-year deal. Do you know why? Because he's 29 years old. He was really, really good over these past few years. But I do think we're going to start to see that decline because he had 1,700 touches over the course of his career and three previous knee injuries. And just as of a couple weeks ago, he was tending to a foot injury. So I think, again, when we're talking about it, it's a young man's game. The biggest thing, though, that I am most excited for is the change in the offense as a whole. You have uh, Russell Wilson, who I'm going to go out on a limb and say is a little better than Drew Locke. And Teddy Bridgewater. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and then Vegas agrees, too. The sports books are saying that, uh, that Denver Broncos are going to go uh, for one, uh, 10 and a half wins there. So, and you're going up against the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders. ton of different shootouts that are going to be happening, right? Equally important, because I kind of seeded this earlier, Nathaniel Hackett is now the head coach, previous OC of the Green Bay Packers. What he was able to do for the run game, specifically targeting the run game, was pretty phenomenal. During Hackett's tenure in Green Bay, as I mentioned, the team ranked 8th overall in RB targets during that time frame. He also did the same thing with the Jaguars and the Bills. Previously, before him joining with the Green Bay, they ranked dead last in targeting their running backs. So what he, he brought them from dead last to 8th over the course of his tenure there, being able to use them in the pass game. Where did the Broncos sit in this previous season? They were 25th in targets last season huge opportunity to be able to bring the running backs into the fold and start to really utilize them as the weapons that they need to last little bit there gordon's 39.5 pff receiving grade is second lowest over 41 qualifying running backs during the last three seasons javante was at least middle of the pack there so huge opportunity and upside and let's say one thing because again you never plan on injury but if gordon misses time code red nuclear opportunity that exists for Javante Williams here. The one game that uh, Melvin Gordon missed uh, during that time frame last season, Williams rushed for 102 yards on 23 carries and caught six passes for 76 yards and a touchdown. Stupid upside if he gets that backfield to himself. So I am all aboard the Javante Williams hype train uh, I am so excited to see what he can do with a full opportunity. And I honestly do hope that uh, Melvin Gordon is there to help spell the touches a little bit because you need that. Everyone is thinking that you need a 90 to 10 uh, split to be able to be a bell cow running back. When you have the effectiveness and efficiency that you do with Javante Williams, if you get him to 55, 65, 70% of the, of the total snap share, the sky is the limit. So that is my rant. Javante Williams, <laughs> top five running back in uh, points per game this coming season. Let's hear it. This is the part of the show where I really wish I put Mike after Dan so that these Gettysburg addresses didn't make my takes feel so short. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you go first, but I do have some yeah, thoughts on this. No, I, I love it. I love the, the, the detailed research and definitely leaving a little bit more um, you know, for us to think about than – um, me just throwing AJ Dillon top 10 and seeing if it sticks. <laughs> but I, dude, I love it. I think this is absolutely a huge, huge possibility. Even if Gordon has a whole healthy season, I think even you, have, you even have Melvin Gordon talking to reporters saying like, yeah, you know, like Javante's 
it, I've I've heard something along the lines of him of him saying, you know, this is Javante is going to be getting most of the touches exactly. here. Uh, great point about how long he sat in free agency that they brought him back as he's the perfect spell back. And in, their games are so similar too, if you ask me, that I think it's perfect to have him there um, to be able to take, you know, hopefully you're going to see something around 30% of the touches or something from Gordon, keep uh, Williams healthy. But I was even taking a look while you were talking. Williams only scored seven touchdowns last year in a pretty darn crappy offense. And with yeah. Russ Wilson coming in there, they're going to have so many more uh, red zone opportunities. And like you said, with the pass catching, he was only targeted about uh, 50, 60 times last year, which that's still a lot. But Williams has proven that he can take on a huge pass catching, catching role. So I just think the arrow is obviously pointing upwards with Javante. Everyone in Dynasty loves him. But uh, I think absolutely as early as this season, we could see a top five finish, which cements him um, you know, as a as a first to second round, um, early second round pick in all sorts of leagues the uh, upcoming years. So I like it. Sure I like it a lot. So. Dude, I don't want all you right, to take Max. this as an insult. I don't want you to take this as an insult because I had this fear with with the takes that I have written down. So I had a fear that you guys might react the same way. I don't really think this is that bold. Like it's, That's it's fair. hard to agreed. It's Not hard lie. to get <laughs> in that. It's hard to get in that line. So feel free. You guys can say this to me when it comes to my taste. Totally. Right. It's hard to get in this not impossible, like not shooting for the stratosphere, but also not like completely softballing it either. Right. Yeah. I will say if I want to play some devil's advocate here and have some fun, do it. Obviously I would hope this offense passes a lot more with, with yeah. the Russell Wills, obviously just signed a blockbuster contract and Similar to what we were talking about with the Cardinals, there's a lot of good pass catchers in that offense, right? I think, I mean, people could take or leave Jerry Judy, but there, I, I'm not the Judy guy, but I definitely am a Sutton guy. And if, uh, you know, Albert Akui Boonham lives up to his amazing mm-hmm. last name, I think he could be awesome in that offense this year. And there's one thing you said that was very interesting to me because if Antonio, this is pre-Brian Robinson draft pick. If Antonio Gibson workhorse season lasted one day because they clawed J.D. McKissick back, I mean, I do feel like we're underselling a healthy Melvin Gordon season a little bit here. Absolutely. And to, to exactly what you just said, if it is a 55-45 or a 50-50 timeshare, I heard someone caught Melvin Gordon the other day to like Matt Forte, where it's like his career just keeps going, right? Yep. Normally after, in Dynasty, after these guys are 27, nobody wants anything to do with them for the most part. Yep. So I do think it's very interesting that potentially Gordon could be still involved in this offense, still totally. rotating series. Like if I'm Denver from a general manager perspective and just like keeping this young, we all love Javante Williams. I mean, he's one of the most sought after running backs in dynasty, right? Yep. If, if they don't need him to be a workhorse this year, he's going to have to be more efficient than he was last year. And with more volume, you know, those efficiency stats start to dwindle. So I love this take overall. It, like if I'm bringing it full circle, I can poke very few holes in it. I don't think it's really that crazy. So I'm all aboard the Javante Williams train with you. And, and that's the one thing before we kind of move on there. Cause I, I feel you. Cause I think the hard thing is if we knew a little bit more about that Gordon split, then I would be bumping this to top two, top three, top area, you know? So there's a couple things that legitimately do have to go in his fashion beyond his own skill set. Because I believe if you gave him the backfield, he's a top two to top three easy. What I have to hedge bets on a little bit is the top five. But I can tell you, I toyed with top three in in, in this uh, this scenario because I truly do believe in that talent. 
you just got a couple question marks when it comes to how the team is going to manage itself and what's going to happen with that split. So I can appreciate it because I've, I, I toiled and I even think I told someone at some point I was going to be doing top three and maybe I check it out of it. Maybe I got to <laughs> double down and just say it's top three, but, um, so you but don't I'm believe in that you guys are at least on, I said, so yes. <laughs> don't even believe in them anymore. Um, but I'm, I am glad to hear that you guys are, are on the, uh, the Javante Williams train because I, I cannot wait to see him put together a great season. I just want to see how much they pass the ball. Anybody yeah. who starts off like, and I mean, Dan, this is no shade at you because your narrative street, this is your corner. Whenever the coach analysis is brought in, I fall asleep because it's like <laughs> personnel dictates so much of what you do on the field. And Russell Wilson's the general out there. So I'm going to oh, be yeah. very interested to see how this turns out. If, if they play a very balanced offense in what you outlined shootout division, uh, this could be very, very fun. And I think your take could come to fruition very easily. I love it. All right, gentlemen, I gave you the disclaimer. <laughs> These aren't bold enough. Feel free to let me hear it. Of course. I'm just going to get it. I don't have a great intro for this one. <laughs> Allen oh, Robinson good. is going to finish as a top 10 wide receiver in points per game this year. Yo. I mean, this, this is a player we saw produce a 1,300-yard season with Blake the Snake Bortles. <laughs> Odell Beckham barely even practiced with that team last year, and he was catching touchdowns left and right. We are two less than two years because the season hasn't started yet from a 1250 yard season commanded by an offense run by Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, newly minted Pittsburgh starter, by the way. Uh, now he gets the man that once helped make Calvin Johnson, one of my favorite wide receivers of all time, a super stud, just airing the ball out. Also helped Cooper cup achieve a 1900 yard receiving season last year. I'm not as good at this as Dan is. I, I just don't feel like doing the homework that he does. <laughs> Allen Robinson, top 10 wide receiver in points per game this Woo. year. I, I, I can definitely go first. Man. Go for I, it. I, first off, Max, I think this is perfectly spicy. I think it's 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 Thank not you, not quite mild. It's like media, It's medium hot spicy. So you definitely nailed that there. I have been scooping up Allen Robinson wherever I can because last season, again, I think I said on a previous episode – Chalk it up to a freaking mulligan on that god-awful Bears team that just, from the very beginning of the season, did not have a direction. I love it. I think that, you know, just if, if people looking at the advanced metrics of of Robinson slowing down and, oh, his lowest yards per target rate in, in five years, I don't care. He is going and if it, we're pretending like also Robert Woods isn't gone from the Rams. There are also vacated targets on this Rams team, Van Jefferson is apparently banged up right now too. Yep. I see. I I th I would argue that Allen Robinson is a lock. Is if he stays healthy, a lock to be a top twenty wide receiver. So top ten, I think. Like I've I've also said on previous episodes, I think he's going to finish with the most touchdowns he's ever finished with in a season. And I think this can definitely happen. I think the Rams can definitely have two top ten wide receivers this year, uh, as long as Matty Stafford's elbow holds up. I guess that's the only stipulation there, but I like it. First of all, thank you for putting me in the medium spice category. I love yeah. it. Yeah, uh, you're, you're like full, salsa verde, like the yeah. right amount of spice, but nothing, you're not gonna make me cry. <laughs> full disclosure, yeah, there's no uh, no ghost pepper in this. Game. Exactly, it's just all good flavor. Habanero. Uh, to to give him his shout out, and this is what actually made me edge this up a little bit because I had top twelve and I was like, ah, is that spicy enough? Ethan's original take was that Allen Robinson was gonna outscore Cooper Cup this year, and. 
like that, that made me that made me spice it up. Dan, I'm gonna I want to give you the shot on this, but Mike, one of the things you said just talking about the offense in general, I love it as a talent configuration. Mm-hmm. Like Odell Beckham is not your traditional big bodied X alpha type wide receiver, right? And even he was doing well in that offense. Coop in the slot, Robinson on the outside. I mean, Matty Stafford's elbow is healthy, which I yeah. really need it to be for this yeah. take to happen. Uh, <laughs> let's let's have a day, Rams. Let's have a day. Dan, any other thoughts on this one? I've, I've been eating uh, up the value with Alvin Robinson and, and redraft and even some dynasty win nows all day, man. It's, it is it is a travesty um, for those who have been out on him because of what happened last season. Uh, Mike, as you said, just throw it out. Like We know the type of receiver he is, and it's not, in my opinion, due to anything that's age or regression or anything like that. I think the, the offense regressed a, a little bit with the Bears uh, then. I, I More than anything, I think it's been writing on the wall for Cooper Cup is going to regress. You're not going to get that many touchdowns and that uh, many receiving yards with having an Allen Robinson in there now. Uh, things that just the the word out of camp has been nothing but electric about, holy crap, how did we get Allen Robinson? And so uh, I think they're going to use him very creatively. I think you're going to see him, Mike, as you said, a huge red zone target to be able to really start to put the cap on, especially with maybe a little bit of uh, uncertainty with what's going on with the uh, the running backs right now. Uh, Cam Akers still recovering. Uh, Henderson was still a little beat up. So I think you're going to really lean on that uh, that um, passing game, probably even short pass game. And you're going to see a lot of uh, Allen Robinson success there. Right. Well, I'm glad I have all you guys aboard uh, aboard the <laughs> Allen Robinson train for this one. This yep, is where the sir. show gets real because I told you to save your best one. Dan already pulled Javante Williams out, so I'm very interested to see where he goes <laughs> with this second one. Mike, your favorite bold prediction for the year. Lay it on us, buddy. Yeah, man. I'm excited for this one, especially because uh, we definitely had one of our one of our guest um, predictions alluded to this player in in some way in his prediction. This is a player that is currently ranked as wide receiver 23 on Fantasy Pros. This is a player that's going to be changing teams this year. This is also a player with a coach that is in a put-up-or-shut-up season, to quote Max Andrews, and they just traded their first-round pick to go get this guy. My prediction, my second prediction, is going to be that Hollywood Brown is going to finish as a top-10 wide receiver in points per game this upcoming season. I think... With this, I'll expand upon it a tad since you got to go on your little soliloquy, Dan. Um, <laughs> I, oh, please, I am I am thinking with the opportunity that is here with Christian Kirk Gonzo, that's 103 targets right there that are going to be headed towards Jacksonville. You got DeAndre Hopkins out for the first six games. Uh, you know, I I think that Zach Ertz is a, is a good, um, really good player still and is going to take up a lot of targets there. But with this connection that obviously originated at Oklahoma uh, between Kyler and Marquise. I think that Kyler is the picture-perfect quarterback for Hollywood Brown in that they're going to be able to connect on multiple, multiple fantastic, just in the same vein as a Patrick Mahomes and a Tyreek Hill. I think you're going to see a lot of beautiful connections from this year. I see 100 receptions, 1,200 yards, 10-plus touchdowns inbound for Marquise Hollywood Brown this upcoming season. First of all, Shakespeare is very pleased that we say the word soliloquy so much. I know I'm the it's one that brought that to the show, but uh, Billy right? Shakespeare is is smiling down on us somewhere. <laughs> Dan, I'm going to give you first crack at Mike's favorite take of the year. 
Oh, man. So I... Not a good start, Mike. No, <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't I believe in like my it. guys. I really do like... Exactly. And I do like it. I, I do worry about in order to reach that echelon, I feel like you got to have a little bit more diversity to your game. And I feel like overall, Marquise is a fast dude that can be a great downfield threat. I do worry about his entire route tree and being able to have uh, just more targets, enough targets to be able to really warrant getting into that next uh, like area. Because honestly, if he's going to be top 10, he's going to be getting some like a bomb or two a game to really be able to keep up with that um that area because i think we saw we saw a good season out of him um with lamar so we know again a rushing quarterback that is able to kind of move around and still be able to support him uh he ended up doing pretty darn well with them i was trying to look up and see um on a but on like a 16 game kind of pace he was wide receiver 22 with lamar I mean, I can't say that Kyler is that much better of a passer, in my opinion, than Lamar Jackson. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Are you doing this to us right now? I am. I am. Fair, fair, fair. Hey. I, 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 I know <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Did you see him at the dance? skills competition in the Pro Bowl uh, a year just, or two ago? <laughs> just say I uh, Maybe a little bit. And so, sure, that's where if, if, we, if we're going with that, maybe he gets a little bit of a bump. But I, um, I, I just don't know that I see – Marquise Brown as the full complete wide receiver that's needed to be able to enter that category but man is he going to have the opportunity at least for the first six games right because you're going to be without Mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins Um, but you're going to have him returning back I know a lot of people are totally out on D-Hop I know he wasn't the like lock and load wide receiver one that everyone wanted him uh, to be as they were probably not seeing him be last season, but he's still a good wide receiver. And if we're scared about even like a guy like AJ Green starting to steal touches, you got to worry about uh, DeAndre Hopkins a little bit. So that's probably the biggest thing that I bring up is yes, super exciting. First six games, you're going to have Kyler and, and Marquise Brown doing whatever they can do best. But then you're going to have a couple other uh, guys enter the arena, and I think that's going to start to cap his upside a little bit, personally. Mike, did you say top 10 or top 12? I had top 12. I had him being a wide receiver one, but I thought I needed to add a little bit of chili flakes on top of that take. (laughs) Did you do that during the show? I did it right before the show. Right before the show. Oh, there we go. All right. Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. you. Uh, The more you spoke the less I hated this. And he is usually the type of player that like the, and and I mean, man, shout out to Max Andrews. I thought he laid it out really well in the context he gave to this. Like he's kind of been a one dimensional deep threat for his career. That said, I do not hold the same belief that Dan does. I think Kyler Murray is a way better passer than Lamar Jackson is. I think Lamar is able to create a lot of these things with his legs because he moves around and he can hit open receivers. I think Kyler doesn't doesn't even need to do that. I think Kyler is a deadly accurate quarterback. And I was looking it up, Mike. I mean, if he could capture... He was number 12 in target share last year, yep. right? And that was because up, yep. Rashad, Rashad Bateman was hurt. The Ravens had literally nobody else. Their entire running back core got hit by a meteor that took the dinosaurs out. And it, it was just, he was the only game in town. So my worry here is, can he capture that target share? Because mm-hmm. if he could get close to that, I don't see this being crazy. And I really like it because yeah. number 11 in air yards last year, and number six in unrealized air yards last year, right? Because of those Lamar accuracy issues. And this is coming from someone who loves Lamar Jackson, the player. Mm-hmm. But 
like I said, as soon as you laid a Marquise Brown take on me, I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this. I'm just going <laughs> to, it's going to be Logan Thomas part two. I'm going to kill him for this take. I actually like it. And you know what? I'm, I'm buying it. It feels, Thank you, I'll give you the same moniker you gave me medium spice. I like it. And because they're in that division, there's going to be a lot of shootouts without true. maybe not the games at the Seahawks, mm-hmm. but those other teams, um, I haven't looked at their schedule, but this feels relatively doable. I like it. Good job with this one. Mike. Thanks boys. Thanks boys. I definitely, I think Attaboy. it's the, uh, you know, 145 targets last year. Targets are earned. Yeah. Not exactly given. And I think he's more than just a deep threat. I think he can be a huge, huge connection with Kyler. Um, helped him win a Heisman. Just saying. We'll see how it, that's, see that's how it pans true. out. It's true. It's and, true. An air raid type scheme is going to uh, lead to more of those type of intermediate targets mm-hmm. than John Harbaugh's pistol offense that I ran in Madden in 2004 <laughs> with Michael Vick. <laughs> Dano, I see you smiling over there. Favorite take of the year. Here it comes. Oh, man. Lay it on us. Let's go, baby. Is this going to be over five minutes? Do I have time to go get a glass of water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, you might take take your laptop with you, and uh, and we'll just kind of walk and talk as this goes. Because I, I got a little story here. Let's go. But I first want to ask you, who was the best outside receiver in the NFL last year when it comes to yards per route run? Jacoby Myers. Absolutely not. <laughs> Lay it on us, bro. Well, it might be a trick because I say receiver. But it's the tight end. Let's go. Kyle Pitts. You thought you were going to get away without a Kyle Pitts hot take here? Are you kidding me? Our pre-show said otherwise. You know, we can pretend it didn't happen. Uh, That is fair. That is fair. We were talking. We were talking. But I I, I have to lay this out. Come on. Kyle Pitts finishes as the tight end one recording over 90 receptions. This dude is a beast. I know it typically takes some time for tight ends, but not Kyle Pitts. He's not human. He's a unicorn. I know we've heard that tossed out a million times, but he's six foot six, 240 pounds, ran a 4.4440, longest wingspan of any wide receiver or tight end in the past 20 years. You don't see this stuff happen often. And what did he do so far? Well, he's the first uh, rookie tight end to reach 1,000 yards receiving since Mike Dicka in 1961. And he was the first tight end to make the Pro Bowl since 2002. And so in order to be able to reach this echelon, you need to be highly used, right? So among all tight ends with at least 50 targets, he was first in yards per reception, first in average depth of target, first in percent of snaps outlined uh, out wide or in the slot, second in intended air yards, second amongst all tight ends in overall snap rate, only behind Mark Andrews, who I believe finished pretty well this past year, and then third in total receiving yards. And he did this despite the fact that he was fifth in total unrealized air yards, 14th in target accuracy, 48th in total touchdowns, one, one single touchdown. That is 4.1 below expectation. And according to uh, Rich Rebar, who we love uh, quoting over at Sharp Football, he was ranked 49th of 51 tight ends with a minimum of 25 targets and catchable target rate. He had issues when it came to actually being able to get the ball in his hands uh, due to some external reasons, right? And so you ask, what went wrong? Well, I did some digging. And Jacob Gibbs, uh, J, uh, at J.A. Gibbs underscore 23 over at Sportsline, had a fantastic stats piece. And I just want to lay this on you just to kind of outline a little bit. Took a look at all the different types of targets that Kyle Pitts got. So how was Kyle Pitts on deep targets, which are greater than 15 yards downfield? Kyle Pitts averaged... 
7.6 yards per route run on deep, uh, on deep targets. He was the next highest uh, tight end was 5.1 yards per route run. So he was just well far and ahead. Intermediate targets, which is about 10 to 15 yards downfield. Pitts was the NFL's most efficient tight end on intermediate targets of uh, 5.63 yards per route run. In fact, there were only three wide receivers more efficient than him. Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, and A.J. Brown. Some pretty big names when it comes to being able to take, take advantage of those types of targets. But where was he on short targets? Pitts averaged just 0.7 yards per route run on short targets, almost 40% below the league average of tight end position. Total of 43 tight ends that saw at least 25 short targets, Pitts ranked dead last in yards per route run. So what's the problem here? I hate to say it, but it could have been Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan threw short on 71% of his attempts in 2021, the fourth highest rate among 31 qualified passers. And he ranked dead last in terms of deep pass attempts. What did we find out that Kyle Pitts is really good at? Intermediate and deep targets. What did we find that Matt Ryan did over and over and over again? He threw short passes. Basically, what I'm saying here is with this change in quarterback that everyone is so fearful of, I love Matt Ryan. I'm not saying he's not a bad quarterback at all. He just had a different style of play than what worked well for Kyle Pitts. And what was necessary to unlock him was a potential change there. So, enter Marcus Mariota, which again, I know sounds ridiculous when you say it, and that's why this is a bold take. But compared to Ryan, when it came to his overall uh, targets, Mariota targets such a deeper rate down the field. So, literally, it's like you look at uh, percent of uh, targets that were over 20 air yards, Ryan was 8%, Mariota's career average is 12%. And you know what was happening in the preseason? They were targeting it at 17%. They're starting to utilize Kyle Pitts in the way he needs to be utilized. Finally, we're going to see him take that next step in a fashion that is going to be useful to his skill set, not in the Cordero Patterson QB usage that we saw with Matt Ryan, which was continually targeting him on these short passes and making it work. We're going to see someone who's going to be able to unleash him. Mariota has supported a top five tight end before in Delaney Walker three times tight end two tight end five and tight end four and now on top of it you've got Drake London who's going to be able to peel off some of the coverage and disallow a double coverage every single time that he's on the field Kyle Pitts is a different animal he's going to be changing the game you're going to be able to play a Calvin Johnson-esque type stature in your tight end slot for years to come and this is the year we see him break out Kyle Pitts will be the tight end one this year in uh fantasy points per game i rest my case mike mike wake up from your nap we gotta react to dan's take mike get up i feel like i feel like the kid the, the kid that copied homework from someone and just had like the answer there for like my take and dan's the one that showed all his work and did all the all the numbers out this is incredible you i did not fall asleep you roped me in with that, I was I was gonna say. So what? What about Marcus Mariota, Dan? What? What about what about him? I, I like this take. I think the two people, in his way, in my mind, and I, yep. I you can't really move me too much on this, is Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. I think that they're still, they are they are the more, higher potential for touchdowns, yep. more impressive have done it, been there before. I can buy top three, but. Everything that you said about uh, it's insane that Kyle Pitts scored one freaking touchdown last year. Exactly. If you if you add 
even just three to four. What did he finish last year? Top, top six? Tight end six. If yeah. you gave him league average, he became tight end three. So yeah. you could easily say, on average, he would have been at tight end three, which is why I felt it's not spicy enough. Yeah. Last one I wanted to make sure. If the last one wasn't Fair. spicy enough, this one I had to make spicy. And I don't blame you. Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey are monsters. But at some point, you start to see that decline. Yep. It's it's not as much of the uh, young man's game as running back is that we just discussed. Um, but there are changes. Some large, like Tyreek Hill leaving the Chiefs, which can open more targets, but also start to lean on some double coverage. And then you have Mark Andrews, where you hope, and I think we're all big Rashad Bateman fans, might not be leaned on as heavy as he was in the past uh, game previously because you're going to see some others ascend a little bit. So yeah, Hollywood Brown also think... taking off. Not Absolutely. Exactly, but... <laughs> no, 100%. 100%. But so that's, that's where I start to see some of the cracks form that give you just enough of a, of a sliver of hope to be able to slide in there and see oh, yeah. uh, the young man take over there. The talent is certainly, certainly there. I like it. That's it. I know I wasn't convincing you as much, Mike. I was convincing Max, so Maxwell. <laughs> what you got? I feel bad that I have to go this way because I get it. You had to do this. This is your brand. And eventually, through a weird series of events, my brand became the guy that's like, let's just pump the brakes a tad on Kyle Pitts. And I hate to give you double whammy this show, Dan, but like he's being drafted as tight end three. Like it, It's bold, but it's definitely not crazy like i actually think your javante williams one is a little really? spicier than this to be honest really? because still i'm not just saying me, it's not just spicy, me, but just i'm just me. saying i felt like i was i was ready i was i should have just known it was kyle pitts and been like he's gonna say kyle pitts <laughs> that's what's gonna happen because my my whole kyle pitts and dynasty argument has been opportunity cost in in super flex leagues right yeah and to to spin this dynasty before we get back to the season Mike Mike's knee jerk reaction was was the perfect like encapsulation of the argument I'm going to make. He was like, "Well, cool, yeah, but he's still got to get through Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, right? These guys yeah. that have done it before, they're in good offenses." And you threw a lot of numbers at me, Dan. I don't really understand all of them, so I'm going to take it as disrespect <laughs> and we're going to move on from there. <laughs> but if you're telling me that whatever confirmation bias you looked up means that Marcus Mariota is an upgrade on probably is going to have a pretty good hall of fame case someday maddie ice i just you're not gonna sell me on that and and the the hard part is like i said with kyle pitts so let's spin a dynasty real quick yep. and then we'll get back to why your take is great because i honestly think it has a good shot at happening if it doesn't happen and then they have a rookie quarterback next year which they could be could have putting a rookie quarterback out there this year that right like if you don't think the lease is short on mariota then we have to factor in this the four to five games of desmond ritter and see where your <laughs> stats go from there so i just think the offense is going to be terrible and who knows maybe drake london hits and i'm surprised i think the offense is going to be terrible and even with the negative game scripts i just don't think that under a potential split quarterback situation, it's going to be better than it was last year. I think I told you guys this pre-show, but just for the listeners, one of the bold takes that I scrapped was Kyle Pitts will score more touchdowns than he did last year and still finish out top three or still finish outside top three at the position. So I have a problem with the offense. And then to just round out my dynasty point, even if they draft a top QB next year, like he's still not going to get the quarterback that he deserves because Kyle Pitts 
is a phenomenal athlete. He was a phenomenal football player. And I've never said a bad thing about him, except that you're drafting him too high. So I, I get now that I'm coming back to the original point, Dan, you didn't really have much of a ceiling to work with, right? You can't call him tight end zero. Like exactly. he can't, <laughs> he can't break the whole game. So I do like the take. I feel like you had a limited ceiling for boldness. So I will give it to you. I will rescind my prior comments. Uh, do I think it's going to happen? No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to Mike Logan Thomas you. And it is definitely uh, within the realm of possibilities, but I will stick with Mike. I think it's going to, he's going to have a hard time edging out the murderer's row. That's been the murderer's row for a while now. That's true. I, I, I can totally respect it, but that's, that's kind of the process of like you laid out many of the reasons why people do not see that being the case between the QB play and all the other things that are going to come along with that. So as you said, limited ceiling, still had to toss it out there because I do feel like he could be league winning-esque type of tight end for you this year. I think if we're assigning percentages of possibility, you're going to get the highest one of anybody on this show. I really yeah. do. Because fair. like I said, phenomenal talent. He just needs a few things to break his way. Yeah. And true. What I've learned with my dynasty teams is I don't like to project more than a year or two in advance because yeah. so much could change, right? They could draft CJ Stroud and he could be worse than Marcus Mariota. We have no idea. Mm -hmm. We're true. talking about Allen Robinson just going his entire career wasted in the stat sheet to some degree because he never got a quarterback. So yes. that is, I feel like I've finally gotten my full Kyle Pitts take on there. Like everybody's projecting this ascension. I'm pumping the brakes because of situation Fair. and that's where we're at we're gonna find out we'll see exactly. what happens we'll see what happens starting thursday baby. there's gonna be a lot of <laughs> kyle pitts talk this offseason oh, whether he's number one or whatever or number, number he finishes 40, exactly. at there's gonna be a lot <laughs> yeah don't say number 40 well that would be, that would be injury yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that would be it, one game and then injured at the tight end position all right gentlemen we're here we're here all right <laughs> i had to i had to follow up with a certain category that I went with last year. So there was a running back I'm doing my da best Dan impression right now. <laughs> There's a running back that came out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take you back to the 2018 draft. Okay. 2018 loaded, loaded running back class. Okay. Just put yourself in the shoes of a general manager and you're like, Hey, there's this guy. He's got a pretty killer speed score wasn't at a huge school you know not one of those alabama types one of those lsu types you rush for a lot of yards and he's really fast he's over 220 pounds this guy's a beast you draft him in the first round highest compliment you can give a running back and all of a sudden he has some injuries and some more injuries his career's off the rails a little bit i see mike shaking his head career's <laughs> off the rails right and what do you do you work and you get back you might get injured again Okay. All of a sudden you're looking at a couple lost years and was once a phenomenal talent. But I'm here to tell you that even though those years were lost, you can still rely on this player because Saquon Barkley is going to finish as the RB1 in points per game this year. Mike, I love your face right now because you thought I was doing Rashad Penny. I thought you were doing Rashad Penny for sure. I was so ready to crap all over you. But now I'm not. I love it. I love it. We we're talking about Allen Robinson eating up that value dip, dude. Saquon, it is. I, I had 
a freaking league mate the other day. I draft Saquon. And he's like, "Oh, dude, you're gonna you're gonna regret that. He was hurt the last two it years. He's gonna, you're, oh, he's gonna ruin your season." What injury is notorious for second year back guys return to form? And you're talking about the ACL injury with Saquon, another fluke injury last year too that really hurt that the the ascension of that comeback. I like this. I think it's absolutely in the realm of possibilities. Um, I'm personally, I, I think he's he's going to be a top 10 type no matter what, um, as long as he stays healthy. Obviously, you know, even the, the Giants don't have to be a great team for him to succeed. Uh, he's going to see the volume. They've already said that they're going to give him that normal workload that he was used to back in the past. Huge receiving upside. I like this one a lot. I'm just going to give myself some credit because I did not write any of that down. That was all freestyle. And the <laughs> fact it. that I got you to think it was Rashad Penny is just right? made my day, Mike. All right, oh, Dan. Because I was going to say, Rashad Penny, that is bold. This is another medium spicy for me. I Oh, I, okay. I, is, yeah. So then you're big in on Barkley this year. Big time. I'm mm-hmm. I'm big in on Barkley. I Mike, it, the injury that you were talking about, the second one he had, someone stepped on his ankle. Like it was, it was the most fluky exactly. of fluke accidents. You could totally predict the other one with the um, ACL recovery. Same thing happened with Do- Dalvin Cook, right? Where it just you can't really fully get on because you have all the hamstring issues and all the other soft tissue things that comes along with that. It's annoying as all hell. So with Saquon Barkley, the only, I mean, the reason why is he's done it. He's done it. He's been the overall RB1. So I know it's definitely like it's it's bold because he is now four years removed from doing that. But he was also, he's now three years removed from two top 10 seasons, right? His talent is insane. And he sounds like he is doing incredible. You also have uh, a pretty big lack of receivers uh, on the uh, New York Giants. I, I love Wandale. I think Darius Tony can be decent, uh, but he's actually like kind of working through an injury right now. So who are you going to lean on? I believe he is the best talent on that team. And so the ability for him to be back to full health, um, having honestly, I mean, again, you look at it, less wear on the tires from missing out on two seasons to be able to come back like he did. You could easily, if we saw Rashad Penny finally, after not having any injuries, come back and do what he did at the end of last season, I think equally with uh, Barkley, you're going to be able to see this n- very realistic path towards being the RB1. So I like it. I think it's still bold. Absolutely. Um, but I don't see it as outside the realm of possibility because he's he has done it. He has been that elite because we know that's what he is. That's the type of prospect he is. That's the type of talent he is. So I would love to see it because I cannot believe uh, the value that you can get where he's dropping to the back of the second. I've even seen it early third. It's stupid. And if you get him what? there for like redraft purposes, oh man, you are going to be very, very happy. You're getting to the heart of this, Dan. You were kind of exposing me here because this is why I think it's a good take, right? Because it's mostly situational bias holding him back. So he's currently going as RB10 right now on Fantasy Pro. So they have him as a top 10 running Mm -hmm. back. And he's already done it. Like you said, I mean, this guy, prodigy running back when he was coming out of college, tests out like a generational talent at the Combine, 100th percentile spark score. Like, we know what type of athlete a healthy Saquon Barkley can be. And he had 2,000 yards. 2,000 yards from scrimmage his rookie year. 1,300 rushing yards, 91 receptions, 
721 receiving yards. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to draft that guy in the third round of redraft and dynasty until he's out of the NFL. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do with a talent like that. 100%. And so I've kind of put myself, and I still think it's bold, right? I Like Dan, I only had so much ceiling to work with. If yep. I put him top three, it just didn't feel bold enough. Nope, so I, I like went it. to the top top position that I could. But much like, much like the Kyle Pitts take, Dan, it's just... You, you're just like, okay, all I have to do is miss. The, there's this narrow mark that I miss where I'm wrong, right? Kyle Pitts, if he doesn't immediately become tight end one for your dynasty team this year or next, I'm correct in the pump the brakes. Exactly. You took Saquon, the, you have the field, as you've said. Saquon, exactly. <laughs> Anytime you're a betting man and you can take the field, you take the field. So that's where it kind of is with the Barkley one. It's like the only reason he is not projected in the top three is because we've seen, unfortunately, two lost seasons. And so... I had to, you know, I went on the run of a lifetime last year because I called Jonathan Taylor, who was also going in the third round at that time, yep. as the RB1. I really wanted to double down and and call the RB1 again. And I like it. You've exposed right. me, Dan. I mean, it is really, <laughs> it's not crazy bold when you consider the history of the player. No, but as you said, keep in mind, calling your shot on the number one regardless of the ceiling that exists, you have many, many ways to go wrong <laughs> and only so many ways to go right. So that you don't call out someone being the number one without having some way that that's going to happen. And I don't blame you one bit. This is, it is a very good take because it it's, it's funny. A lot of people who are especially redrafters looking and hearing that take are going to feel very differently, right? They're gonna be like, how the heck would you say that he's going to be there? But why aren't you drafting him in the first round? The best part is you don't have to. Because exactly. everyone else doesn't believe it. <laughs> that's so that's value. why it's so old. <laughs> because everyone's drafting him in the second and third round. And it's just going to be an insane value. So I love it. I, I respect it. And I, I, I am very excited to see this happen. Because, again, you just see the bum deal he's had for two years. And just you don't want that talent to be wasted. Because he's so talented. I'm still riding this high of tricking Mike on the Rashad. <laughs> you you have me hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> but I at knew the same as soon time. as I started it with, I was gonna even go deeper. Royce Freeman. <laughs> oh, we can we do not have time tonight, to ladies and gentlemen. Donta Foreman. Oh man. Oh god. I don't know if he was that drunk class, but <laughs> God. I, he could could have been far off. But all right, gentlemen, we are now pretty much officially away 48 hours away from the kickoff of the season so i loved it friends and family thank you for submitting takes i love reacting to these things it made the show even better um mike you had some great takes dan you had some great takes i hope that i had some great oh, takes absolutely. and the best part about it fun. is we we get to record the uh post-mortem show in february <laughs> oh, and figure exactly. out where we went right and where we went Hell, wrong baby <laughs> i love it that'll be so much fun all right we're getting excited for football season, but getting out of here for today. This is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. Milk was a bad choice. Yeah.